If you've ever felt like a mess, this might be the podcast for you. I'm Jamel Godlewski, the host of the Booze Filled to Spirit Filled podcast. Maybe you're feeling lost, a failure, and life is spinning out of control. Friend, I have been there, and I want to share my story with you to encourage you, uplift you, and point you to Jesus. Now, I don't have all the answers. I'm not an expert, but I do know my life was headed towards death, and now it's headed towards life. Once it was booze-filled, but now my life is spirit-filled. this first episode, I'm going to share my story and basically where I began and how I began to feel hopeless and empty with no purpose. And basically I chose booze as my coping mechanism. And through, to me, an act of God, I didn't die or end up in prison. I was able to replace booze and start filling myself up with the Spirit of God. Now, if you don't believe in Jesus or you're already thinking, Oh no, another religious fanatic who's going to tell me how to live my life and how to be a Christian. Well, please don't just turn this off already. Give me a chance. That's, that's not really me. As a matter of fact, if you were to look me up on social media or God forbid, Google me, you might find my arrest record, my divorce decree, Maybe a video of me dancing like a fool on a beach or doing my own version of carpool karaoke or just a picture of me in one of my infamous drug rugs. I'm just here to share my life, my experiences, the good and the bad ones, and maybe even offer some tools on how I just keep going on this journey called life. So this is episode one. Who is Jamel? Let's start at the beginning, or at least what I know of the beginning. There was a 19-year-old heroin addict that went into a hospital in Fort Wayne, October 10th, and she had to deliver a baby, a baby that she didn't want. That was me. My first guardians were the Fort Wayne Children's Home. After 10 days, a couple from LaGrange, Indiana picked me up, adopted me, and gave me a name. Jamel Rose Olds. Jamel is spelled J-A-M-E-L-L-E. That's because my dad's name is James and my mom's name is Rochelle. So they cut them in half and put them together. My middle name is Rose. That was my dad, my adopted dad. It was his grandmother's first name. And my surname Olds is pretty well known in LaGrange County. They're honest, hardworking farmers, and they've been there since the late 1800s. Now, before we go too far, I'm sure somebody out there is thinking, did did you ever look up your biological mother? That's the number one question I always get asked, and the answer is no. Never had a desire, still don't. James and Rochelle are my parents, and the Oldses and the Harrises, that's my mom's maiden name, They're my family. Anyway, Jim and Rochelle brought me home to a 
250-acre farm just outside LaGrange, Indiana, where my dad milked about 40 Jersey cows. I already had an older brother, Casey, who was also adopted. And no, we didn't share the same biological parents. So I guess with me, the family was complete. Truly, I couldn't have picked out or asked for anything better. My grandma lived across the road. There was a pig farm that you could basically throw a stone to, and it had kids our age. Uh, we were surrounded by farmers, and pretty much anybody within a two-mile radius was our neighbors, and we were all pretty close. There was nothing dysfunctional about my growing up years. No alcohol or drug use, no abuse of any variety, just going to church on Sundays, visiting family, playing on my farm or the neighbor's farm, playing sports, being in 4-H, just a totally carefree and fun life. I absolutely loved growing up on a farm. Whatever my brother did, I did. So yes, that made me a tomboy. If he climbed and was swinging on the ropes in the hay mile, so did I. If he rode his dirt bike, so did I. Some of my greatest memories were my dad plowing in the field and I would literally run behind the plow. The back tire makes like a little path. Or I would sit on the fender of the tractor, which is not safe, while my dad was hauling plucky. Plucky was my dad's term for cow manure. Or we'd play baseball in our front yard, or my dad would get done with nighttime chores at 10 or 11 o'clock, and he would shoot hoops with me in the dirt floor pole barn. One of my favorite memories was on a Christmas Eve where it was really uh, unusually cold, and the pipes in the barn were freezing. So to keep them from bursting, we had to pour hot water on them throughout the night, on Christmas Eve, that is. So it might seem like a big deal to a lot of people, but it wasn't a big deal to us. You just did the work that needed to be done on the farm and you did it as a family. My mom was a stay-at-home mom through my childhood until her, my sophomore year, she had to get a job because of uh, the drought of 88 and how it affected the farm. Anyway, back to a little bit of my childhood. We, we always played summer ball. My mom ran the concession stand. In the winter, we bowled in a, in a kid's league that my mom ran with another neighbor. That was on Saturday mornings. We just had a great life. I actually was really good at everything I did. I don't know why. I guess I was gifted in school and academics and sports and 4-H. It just kind of came natural to me. My parents never pressured us about getting good grades or doing good on our sports teams or in anything we pursued. Um, they just supported us. They, they truly just supported us. And yet by the time I was in fifth grade, I had already become pretty competitive in sports. Like in my mind, I felt like I had to be the best and I had to win. If I screwed up, I would get so mad at myself. On the weekends during the winter, we went to high school basketball games. It's kind of what you do in a small town. And the point of this is I went to all of them and I, I loved basketball. When I was in sixth grade, uh, I got to see the girls varsity team win sectional. Now that's a big deal if you're here in Indiana. And when I saw that and um, how exciting it was and the celebration, I was hooked. I mean, so here I am at 12 years old, and I knew that my goal in life was to win sectional in basketball and to play college basketball. 
but yet I was so competitive and I would get so mad at myself. Even if I just double dribbled or traveled, I knew better. And I would just get so mad. I would, I would throw things. I would punch things. I just couldn't accept anything less than perfection from myself. I, I really, I don't know where this came from. But the thing is, is that humans aren't perfect. I had to figure out how I was going to deal with not being perfect. So here I am at such a young age and I'm having thoughts and feelings that I'm a failure. I truly felt that way throughout all of middle school. I worked really hard in school and in sports. And so by the time I was a sophomore, I made the varsity basketball team. There was only two of us. And I was pretty much a bench warmer though. When I did get to play, I sucked. At least that's what it, I felt like. Softball started. I was voted captain and awarded the most competitive player at the end of the season. And yeah, that's a real understatement actually. The summer after my sophomore year, I just completely devoted to basketball because I knew that if I was going to play in college, if we were going to win sectional, I really had to improve. And so I just played all the time. The new JV coach that we got that year, she was actually my hero growing up, Rachel, and she would meet me at the park and we would play. Side note, I got to play with Michelle Joseph on a YMCA league in Auburn, Indiana, if you know anything about girls' college basketball, Michelle Joseph was an All-American at Purdue. So it's kind of cool I got to play with her. Anyway, I literally played basketball for hours a day by myself. Um, I just, I always told myself I just had to be the best, period. I just had to be. That summer, after my sophomore year, that summer I went on a camping trip with a friend and her family. One night we escaped the campsite and went with her older cousins to a party. That night was the first night I ever tasted alcohol. There was beer and we took shots of tequila. And what I found was all the pressure that I felt and all the anxiety that I felt went away. When school started, I quit volleyball because honestly, I never really cared about it. And well, I really wasn't that good, but I became a manager because it was still kind of cool to hang out with sports. Um, I was a junior and there was a friend of mine that was a senior. She was a manager too. Sometimes she would buy 40 ounce beers for us to drink before the game. I started going to parties once in a while that fall. Now, here's what I always tell people. I knew that what I was doing was wrong. Like I knew that. I knew that one, my mom would kill me if she found out. I knew that I was a role model for others. I knew that I could get in big time trouble at school and obviously in sports. And I'm not an idiot. I knew that drinking and driving was wrong. Like I knew all of that, but alcohol seemed to relax me and take the tension away. And I needed that. Basketball season started and I was a starting captain. I'd worked hard and became captain and starting point guard. I would do awesome one game, score 20-something points, and then the next game, I was not so awesome. Worst of all, we weren't really winning. And as far as I was concerned, it was all my fault. I mean, I'm the captain. I should be able to lead this team to victory. And I wasn't. My drinking kind of became a cycle of binge drinking. Well, that doesn't usually last too long. 
it was still in the fall, maybe winter, December of my junior year, and I had organized with some of my friends and a couple of my teammates a party on a Friday night. I'd gotten pretty intoxicated the next morning. We had basketball practice, but don't worry, I had discovered caffeine pills by then. Um, so we made it through, and then I decided that we should have another party Saturday night. So we did some drinking before we went to the boys' basketball game. I really think I would just do that like it was a rush to see if people would catch me, and they never did. But for some reason that night, I don't know, I, I well, not for some reason, I got more drunk than normal, I guess. And this time, like, I went berserk. I wanted to drive home, and my friends were actually good friends, and they stopped me, and I just, I started punching things, and and then I really lost it, and all my feelings came out, and I told them I was a failure, and like my life wasn't worth living and I should just die. We went to one of my teammates house and they took care of me and the next morning called my mom, took me home and told my mom everything. So yeah, my mom was mad because obviously I've been lying to her, but she was concerned about the stuff I said. They called Rachel to the house and I was upstairs and my mom was downstairs talking to Rachel and I heard my mom tell Rachel something. She told Rachel that my biological mom was an active heroin addict for the first few months of her pregnancy with me. In my brain, what I said was, well, I'm a failure, see? I'm a loser and I'm destined to be. There's no hope for me. Now, I hated having these thoughts. I hated, I hated having these crazy thoughts in my head and I didn't know what to do with them. Anyway, my mom wanted me to go to counseling. I agreed. I mean, I hated feeling like this. I went to the counselor and I don't know. I told him everything. I really did. He just kind of nodded his head. I had to confess to my basketball coach, the head coach, what was going on. And there wasn't any consequences for me. Now, I'm not really sure about like the reasoning behind that. But I hated it because I knew I deserved punishment. I can't say things changed a lot. Um, as a matter of fact, I just hid my alcohol more. I would go to parties and steal it so I could have it when I needed it. Cause sometimes I just needed a, like a drink. It would just take the edge off just to see if this counselor knew anything. I actually showed up one afternoon drunk and yeah, he didn't notice. So I told mom I was fine. I don't need to go anymore. Season ends. We pretty much were not any good. Um, I won some awards, all conference, all area, um, didn't really mean much to me just because as a team, we really weren't very good. So in my eyes, I was still a failure. Now, some life-changing things happened to me between basketball and softball. Around spring break my junior year, um, a guy that graduated with my brother, he hung himself. He was a star wrestler, super popular, and it really kind of shook me up. Two weeks after that, one of my classmates shot himself. And then about a week after that, I had another classmate kill himself. So there were three suicides in less than two months. I remember it vividly, even though it was 31 years ago. I think the reason that it really stuck with me is I had those kind of thoughts. I had thoughts of killing myself, and I really thought I was the only one that ever had those thoughts. Watching them and their families go through this. I still had thoughts of being a failure. I still felt I was, 
I was still coping with alcohol and pills, but now suicide was off the table. So in some ways, some sad ways, I think maybe they saved my life. Anyway, softball starts. I was pretty good at it. Like I said, I was captain again. And this year I made all conference, all area, academic, all state, whoopee, whoopee. <laughs> I say that because really all I cared about was basketball. I would even leave softball games and go practice basketball. I just felt like I had to practice to get better. That summer between my junior and senior year, I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, all I did was play basketball. I did have a summer job, but um, I just played basketball all the time. And the pressure I put on myself was just incredible. Like I lived a lie. I was a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. On the outside, people saw how hardworking I was. And I was a straight A student, blah, 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 blah. But what they didn't see was that I hated myself and I had booze in my car and I would drink before some of my league games or I would drink on the way home. I don't know how I didn't kill myself driving or kill somebody else. I would just pull over sometimes and puke because I'd already drank too much and then I'd fill my styrofoam cup up with some more. And I, I mean, I played pretty good. I, I was really improving. I remember one game having 28 points. And I mean, I guess, I guess I was succeeding, but in my brain and even in my heart, I didn't really see it that way. But yet, I guess I was on my way to making my dreams come true, at least until August 8th of 1989 and everything changed. You know, there's, there's some dates that just never leave your brain. And this is one of them for me. It was a championship game of a league tourney. And right after halftime, my knee blows out. And I mean, bad. Like I knew instantly at that moment, my basketball career was over. It's actually still hard to talk about this many years later. I never stepped foot on the floor again as a player. I didn't have a senior year at all. All those hopes and dreams were gone. This injury really rocked me, and that's, that's not even really describing it. And at this point, I couldn't cope with life. I just couldn't. I was still a straight-A student, seventh in my class, president of varsity club, vice president of National Honor Society, captain of all my sports teams, lots of trophies, but by February of my senior year, my family intervened and I was put in rehab for 28 days, no sectional title, no college basketball. I was a failure. I had let everybody down. God gave me so many gifts and I just failed at all of them. Rehab did keep me alive. I can't say it really changed my life too much. I tried, I just didn't know how to cope. I had the best parents in the world. I had support from my family and friends, but I just was, I just hit everything. I got an academic scholarship, went off to college, transferred my sophomore year, but that my sophomore year in college, now my drinking and my, my lifestyle is catching up with me and I started failing. Well, I failed one class. That was the first time I didn't ever get an A. I wanted to die, I hated my life. And it was Father's Day of 1992, after my sophomore year in college that, I mean, I had always wanted to die. I'd asked God to kill me, I really did. 
But that morning, I woke up or came to after a hard night of partying, and I thought, oh my gosh, I am going to die. Like, I'm going to die. And this time, I didn't want to. So I drove myself to rehab. This time, I made changes, and this time, I took it very serious. I was determined to succeed. I was determined to let go of the past and move on. This is a good place to stop for episode one. Tune back in a couple of weeks for episode two. My goal is to produce a podcast twice a month or every two weeks. Please subscribe, share, find me on social media. Feel free to send me any comments or thoughts. Until next time, be safe, have fun, love yourself, and love others.